0: I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, and I know Brother Chris and some others in here understand the cause of a famine, but the famine's because there's no rain. There's no rain coming from the heaven. There's no dew that's rising from the ground. And, and so there's no crops that have been growing. This famine's been going on. David is, David is seeking to find the, the cause of the famine and to reverse this curse that has been put upon the people of Israel and so he he finds that after inquiring of the Lord that God reveals it to him it's because of Saul and his bloody house because he slew the gibeonites and and so David seeks to make an atonement amen he seeks to make things right he doesn't want craig to go on in this condition and by the way if it's been a while are you listening to me this morning say amen if it's been a while since the since the dew of heaven has fallen on your soul, amen, it's been a while since, amen, uh, some cool water from heaven ha- has quenched your thirst, uh, you ought not want that to continue. Amen goes right there. If it's been a while since you've heard from heaven, you ought not want that trend to continue. We've gotten to the place, ladies and gentlemen, where we almost wear it as a badge of honor if we can come to church and, and God doesn't deal with us and we don't have to respond. Can I say, that's not a badge of honor. That ought to scare us to death. One of the, one of the most beloved songwriters that's written many songs, and I don't exactly know which songbook you had, because I wasn't looking at one this morning, but, but in most songbooks, songs written by Fanny Crosby are prevalent. Fanny Crosby was a blind woman that saw more in her blindness than most sighted people will ever see in a lifetime. Fanny Crosby was in a big meeting one time, Brother Mike, and there was a preacher that was preaching and the, the conviction of the Holy Ghost fell and people began responding and she sat there in her seat unmoved didn't feel like God had done anything uh, to her, spoken anything or prompted her about anything. And so, Brother Jim, she went back to her room that night and in a state of quiet contemplation began to consider and began to pray and say, Lord, why? Why, while you're talking to others, didn't you speak to me? And she took up a pen, Sister Anita, and wrote those words, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry while on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. That ought to be your prayer this morning. That ought to be the cry of your heart this morning. That God would speak to you and give you what you need. That God's face would once again turn your way and it's apparent that... God had turned his face away from the nation of Israel and, and so David is David is seeking to is seeking to remedy that situation. And so he asks the Gibeonites, said, What's it gonna take, amen, for you to bless the people of God and for this curse to be removed? And they said, We don't want any silver or gold. We don't want anything of the house of Saul. We're not interested in material possessions. Boy, that's a change from our culture. Amen. They said, What's going what's gonna to have to happen? By the way, we don't want anybody else to die, but seven sons of this man that destroyed us are going to have to give their life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's interesting that in verse number seven, the Bible says, But the king spared Mephibosheth. I'm kind of a numbers guy when it comes to looking at things in the Bible. And I'm interested, that word Mephibosheth appears five times in your Bible. If you recall the story of this particular Mephibosheth, he was five years old, amen, when the kingdom's overthrown, and and his nursemaid is trying to get him to safety, and as she's carrying him from the kingdom, amen, to spare his life, she drops him and he is crippled at the age of five. If you know anything about numerology, you know the five is the number of grace. <laughs> Amen. And can I say this, ladies and gentlemen? For all our failures, God's grace is sufficient. Amen. Amen. This abandoned cripple living in the land of Lodabar one day has somebody from the king, amen, show up down there and say, listen, I I want you to come to my palace and eat at my table and live with me eternally. Boy, listen, aren't you glad for the day when someone came to where you were? Boy, I could use some help up in here. Aren't you glad for the day someone came to where you were and told you there was a king that was looking for you and he wasn't looking for you that he might extract his vengeance upon you and he wasn't looking for you because he's angry with you he was looking for you because he's wanting to extend some grace your way amen i'm glad one day he invited me (laughs) to dine at his table mephibosheth is mentioned here in verse number seven and can i say this he's a direct heir in the lineage of saul and yet he spared from the deadly requirement of the sins of his grandfather. I want to preach with the Lord's help for just a little while this morning on this thought. Free from the debt. And I want to show you three things that Mephibosheth was free from and three things that you and I are free from if we've been born again. Amen? I want to say number one, Mephibosheth was free from the curse. It's apparent in our text, Craig, that there comes a point in time when a debt collector comes. Hey Amen. The, the, the requirement, the sum that's gonna ha- the, the price that's gonna have to be paid, preacher, is that seven men are gonna have to die. Somebody went to collect that debt. Somebody started going and tracking down seven relatives of this man by the name of Saul, Jim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, but when the debt collector came, Mephibosheth, though born in the line of Saul and raised in the ways of Saul, was free from the debt because he'd been adopted. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, he looked like Saul. He had the... Ma- man, I got a boy here this morning, the one sitting on the second row with the, with the manly beard. amen listen there is no doubt that is my boy he looks like me he does the same dumb things his dad does this is not a place to say amen april this is where we have women keep silent in the church let me say amen (laughs) amen there's no denying Listen, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking this Mephibosheth, ladies and gentlemen, looked like Saul, had the mannerisms of Saul. But can I say this? He'd been adopted. <laughs> mm. He'd been adopted into another family. I remember hearing the story of two little boys that were sitting in a shopping cart at a at a grocery store checkout, and and uh, they were acting like little boys do, and and a woman behind them started talking to him and said, "Are you brothers?" And they said, "Yes, we are." And before she could catch herself. She said, "Well, you don't look like brothers." <laughs> Their mom was loading stuff on the on the belt, you know, and paying for the items, and she's embarrassed and really didn't know what to say. But before she could speak up, one of the boys said, "Well, no, ma'am, we don't look like each other because we've been adopted." <laughs> that woman that had the boldest open her mouth, Miss Anita, started stumbling and stammering, and, and that boy said, "You do know what adopted means, don't you?" <laughs> He said it means we got a different face, but we're in the same family. (laughs) Amen. Can I say this, brother Chris? Hey, we got a different face. How about we're in the same family? Well, listen, I'm glad to be part of the family of God. Amen. Hi, oh, listen, we look different. We come from different backgrounds. How oh, we have different life experiences. Hi, oh, but ladies and gentlemen, can I remind you, although we've got different backgrounds and different heritages and come from different walks of life, listen, I thank God for the day he put us into his family. Amen. Well, oh, listen, I'm thankful for the day he adopted me. Well, I remember hearing somebody say, Brother Warnick, there are three ways to get into a family. <laughs> Number one, you're born into a family. In 1987, right? Was that when Ryan was born? Man, don't ask me the day. That's mom's job. I'm good with the year, amen? 1987, Ryan was born into the. What? No? Oh. All right, whatever. Hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. Look up in here. When you've got five kids, you know the first one, you got the bronze baby shoes. You got pictures of everything they've done. Amen. I mean, you've got the book, and you re- you record the first noise they make, the first time they say a name, that's a word that's recognizable. By the time Craig, you get to number five, you're, you're hoping that it's that it's the same gender as the first one, so you can just show them pictures of their sibling say this is you when you were a child somebody say amen don't look up in here like I'm a horrible parent amen get out of here amen I'm just saying man it's life amen after you had five of them it's like phew man when's this gonna end amen I'm just saying listen hey hey I'm glad I'm glad that we're adopted into the family of God amen and I can't listen I got to thinking I got to I said the first ways to be born into a family I got myself distracted second ways to marry into a family See, back, uh, how many years y'all been married? Almost ten. So in, uh, in 2009, y'all got married. April was a Nelson. She ain't a Nelson anymore. She's a skipper. She married into the family. But <laughs> well, Jim, there's a third way to get into a family that's to be adopted into one. <laughs> I got good news for you, child of God. Amen. When you got saved, you was born into a family. <laughs> amen. One day, I'm marrying into a family, Craig. I see you got your wife here. There was a day, amen, when you stood at the front of a building and your wife came down an aisle in a beautiful wedding dress, and amen, you married her. She married into the Henshin family. There was a day when April married into the Skipper family. I'm <laughs> married. Amen. I'm going to marry into, he's going, hey, listen. He, he finds me to be a beautiful bride. Yeah. I know nobody else does. <laughs> Amen. But the Lord does. Amen. had have been adopted into his family. Let me say, not only was he free from the curse, but can I say this quickly? He was free from the cross. You see, you don't have to wait until Matthew's gospel to find a cross. There are seven boys, Chris. that are going to be hanged. They're going to be hanged on a cross. Amen. I got to to look into this. Look at verse number 3 again quickly, if you would please. The Bible said, Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make? Notice that word atonement. That word means a covering. Amen. And and they said, We don't want any silver or gold. Somebody's going to have to die. But look at verse number 4. Couldn't just be anybody. The Bible said, Verse number Verse number 4 said, uh, Neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. Hey, it was going to be seven men of Saul's house. Now listen, I don't know how most of y'all are, but if somebody told me that I had to come up with a list of seven men, Brother Warnick, it wouldn't take me long. In fact, I'd come up with 15 or 20 Pretty quick, Amen. Just to make sure, Chris, we had enough. Make sure these guys could be found. Now I got to thinking, hey, it had it was it was seven men, Amen. Seven men of Saul's house, and this atonement was for the house of Saul. I'm interested in two things here. Notice the number, the number seven. That's the number of completion. I'm not a musician, but I listen to these ladies play on the instruments, and I. I listen to Sister Kathy sing and I know enough about music to know that there are seven notes in a scale and that eighth note begins another octave and it's another set of seven and then it begins another octave and it's another set of seven. We understand that there are seven days in a week this is the first day of the week we have begun a brand new week ladies and gentlemen seven is a number of completion and seven sons of Saul would make complete payment for the house of Saul. but i'm also interested in the fact that they were going to have to be hung on a tree go to deuteronomy hold your place there in second samuel and go to the book of deuteronomy and i want you to look at verse number uh, chapter number 21 and verse number 23 deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse number 23 The Bible said, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God. You see, there was a curse that was associated with hanging on a tree. And it said it couldn't be just anyone that would die in my place. Couldn't be just anyone. Ladies and gentlemen, is going to die in your place. It had to be the Son of God. Someone must die. It couldn't just be anyone. Let me say, thirdly and quickly, the price was to be delivered to the crowd. Look what the Bible said. The Bible said, And they answered the king, The man that hath consumed us and devised against us that we should, uh, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coast of Israel, let seven of his sons be. Delivered unto us. Ladies and gentlemen, that word delivered is the same word that's used in Mark's gospel, the 15th chapter and the 15th verse, when Pilate delivered Jesus to the crowd. And I mentioned and I drew it to your attention that there is Mephibosheth that is on that list, but it's, and there's no mistake, it's the record of two different people with the same name. You say, what was the difference? while one was under a curse, the other was under a covenant. Let me say that again. I said, while one was under a curse... The other was under a covenant. Amen. Ah, listen, ladies and gentlemen, long before Mephibosheth was conceived, David made a covenant with Jonathan, the son of Saul. And although both Mephibosheths bore the same name, and although both Mephibosheths were from the same bloodline, while one goes to a cross, the other seated in the palace with the king, protected by a covenant. You see, a covenant's an interesting thing, and it's really something that we don't think about much anymore. But in the Bible, when a covenant was made, what they'd literally do, listen to me, is they would literally take a lamb, and they'd cut that lamb in half. They'd lay one ear on one side and one ear on the other. they lay one front shoulder on one side and one front shoulder on the other. they lay one hindquarter on one side and one hind quarter on the other. And in the middle of those two pieces of those pieces of that divided lamb was the blood. And what they do, come here Brother Chris, what they'd do is they'd lock arms and they'd walk up and down in between uh, the, uh, the split body of that animal and they'd make promises to God and they'd make promises to each other and They were making a covenant. Ladies and gentlemen, can I remind you? We ain't doing the do-si-do, by the way. Thank you, Brother Chris. Amen. Just need somebody to play some square dance music. Amen. Hey, can I remind you, hey, how when Jesus Christ died on that cross, hey, there was a covenant that was made. There was a lamb that was slain. Oh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, hey, long before Mephibosheth was ever around, David and Jonathan had made a covenant. They'd walked They'd walk through that blood. They'd walk through the severed body of that animal, amen, and made a covenant to each other. In fact, go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 18. I didn't intend to go here, but I believe the Lord wants me to go here. 1 Samuel chapter number 18. Let me see if I can find my verse. Oh, let's see here. Where am I at? Verse 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Look at verse 4. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him. Now, can I remind you who Jonathan is? This is the king's boy. He's, He's heir to the what? Talk to me, church. He's going to be the next one that's going to assume the throne. (laughs) But he sees something in David. He sees God's hands on him. He sees how God's raised him up out of Bethlehem, amen, and anointed him to be king. He's seen how God has taken him from being a shepherd of sheep and how God's going to make him a shepherd of people, amen. And I'll tell you what Jonathan does right here in this text is he takes off that royal garment, amen, that indicates that he's, amen, royalty, that he's the heir to the throne and he takes off, amen, his weapon and he gives it to David, he lays it at David's feet and he submits himself to him and surrenders his heritage and surrenders his future and says David I know that God has given you this throne and David promised (laughs) are you listening to me this morning to show kindness of the Lord unto all of Saul's house can I just remind you this morning ladies and gentlemen there's no difference between me and anybody else on this earth we all come from the same guilty bloodline We're all headed for the same judgment, and we all ought to have to pay the same ultimate price, but I'll never see one flame of hell. I'll never spend one second of eternity in a dark, Christless place. You say, why? Because I'm under a covenant. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you have a choice to pay for your sin in one of two ways. You can try to pay for it yourself for all eternity, or you can enter into a covenant. (laughs) And I see people everywhere that are living under a curse, living under the judgment of God as an adversary of God, trying to pay their own debt. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank God for the day that I realized Christ took my place, bore my penalty, took my shame. And Mephibosheth is not only free from the curse, but he's free from the cross. Let me show you one more thing, ladies and gentlemen. Look at verse number 9 and 10 of our text. The Bible said, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord, and back in 2 Samuel 21, and they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days of beginning of barley harvest. Verse 10 is one of the saddest pictures that's ever been recorded in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, And Rizpah. The daughter of Aiah took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beast of the field by night. Now look up in here just a minute, y'all. Seven men have been put to death the beginning of barley harvest. Two of these men are sons of a concubine of Saul's by the name of Rizpah. And I, as, I, as I try to picture, I don't know if you do this when you, when you read your Bible, but I try to picture what people look like. And it occurred to me, preacher, that you probably are not going to be a concubine of Saul unless you meet some criteria. This is a good-looking woman. This is a woman that any man would look at and say, Man, she is a knockout. But she ain't at the counter of the department store getting her makeup. Are you listening to me? She has taken sackcloth, and she has spread it upon a rock. And Chris, from the beginning of barley harvest until the time that rain dropped down out of heaven, and the best that I can figure from reading everybody that has from reading behind everybody that studied this out, we're talking a period of five months. For five months, she doesn't see shelter. For five months, she doesn't see a pillowtop mattress. For five months, she's out there all day long, Craig, beating the birds of the air up all night making sure the wild animals don't tear them apart you say why why would she do this why why would she sacrifice her own beauty why would she sacrifice her own sleep why would she sacrifice amen the fact that she was a con why would she do that these boys are dead can i say first of all riz panu these sons died guilty can i just say this this morning not everybody that dies goes to heaven. Rizpah knew what was said in Deuteronomy 21 23 that cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. And so she knew they died for a payment of sin. Listen, I pastored for 15 years before God called us into this ministry of evangelism. And even during this ministry of evangelism, Brother Warnock, I've had occasion to preach a few funerals, but I've been to a bunch of them, and it's amazing in 57 years of life and preaching over 40 years, I've been to a lot of funerals, and I've yet to attend one where someone died and went to hell. Now listen to me when I qualify what I'm fixing to say. I'm not saying they didn't go there, but I've yet to attend one where some preacher Hadn't put him in heaven. Not everybody dies goes to heaven. You see, you can, be, you can be a drunk. You can be a dope addict and shooting, shooting the heroin with one hand and beating your wife and your kids with your free hand. And some sorry, spineless preacher will put you in heaven. Can I say this? Not everybody goes to heaven. Are you listening to me this morning? I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm trying to be real. Amen. People die every day. In fact, while, we, while we've been here, close to 200 people in the time we've sat in this auditorium, close to 200 people around this globe have died and gone out into eternity. Can I just say not all of them went to heaven. If everybody was going to heaven when they died, then Christ died in vain. If everybody was going to go to heaven when they died, then there would have been no reason, Chris, for him to be born, for him to live 33 years, to amen, to live a perfect life, for him to die a vicarious death. There would have been no reason for him, amen, to stay three days in the grave. There would have been no reason for him to rise again. There would have been no reason for him to go to his father and present that blood, Jim, on the, on the mercy seat, satisfying and atoning the wrath of God upon our sin. There would have been no purpose for that. And say, so you can have your name on a church roll. Your daddy may even be the preacher or a deacon. Your mom might teach Sunday school. You might have been you might have been raised up in a church nursery, gone to the church Christian school. Hey, man, you might be in the church youth group. You might be a member of upstanding character. But can I say this, ladies and gentlemen, your name can be on the church roll and not on the roll up yonder. And here's the other reason, Brother Warnock, that Rispa stayed out there from the beginning of barley harvest until the rain dropped out five months is because she knew the moment they took those boys down off the cross is going to be the last time she'd ever see them. And so picture with me Miss Henshin, a mama's love and she's there. Now, this is happening, y'all, in a Middle Eastern climate. So it's hot. You ever see an animal that's been hit by a vehicle and left laying on the side of the road? And you drive by a couple of days later and it's gotten bigger. And you know it's not because somebody's been feeding it. Amen. You see these boys' bodies swell in the, swell in the heat of the sun. These boys' bodies begin to de- begin to decompose right before her eyes. And she watches, are you listening to me? She watches their lives, Mike. She watches their bodies literally fall apart right before her eyes. She watches body parts fall off and hit the ground and still. I'm not trying to be gross or unkind. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to give some light to a portion of scripture that a lot of times we just read over as we're trying to mark off our Bible reading. I'm trying to get you to understand, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, she fought off the beasts, the birds by day and the beasts by night, because she knew she'd never see him again. Meanwhile, back at the house, our mephibosheth—he's <laughs> free from the curse, he's free from the cross, and he's free from the coffin. Amen. Hey, listen, you may have to walk through death. We may have to walk through death's door. There may come a time when we're laid out in front of a church or in a funeral home. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, as my, as my dear friend penned it in a bluegrass song, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. I, one of these days, amen, although my body may be committed to a grave, that's not where I'm staying. Yeah. I'm going to say this this morning in conclusion. Look at verse 14. I did not read it. But look at verse number 14. The Bible said, In the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, buried they in the country of Benjamin and Zela in the sepulchre of Kish's father. And they performed all that the king commanded. Notice this last statement. And after that, God was entreated for the land. See, after a payment was made, prayer was made I got good news for you this morning you can be free from the debt you see Christ paid sin's penalty so you don't have to you can be free from the curse of sin this morning you can be free from the cross this morning you can be free from the coffin this morning I got to thinking this, and I'll say this as a close. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know for sure that heaven's going to be your home, that'd be a great day to get that settled. But I'm also, I'm also going to say this. I told the men in the prayer room this morning, sometimes we bear burdens that are so personal and so deep and so painful that you really can't share it with anybody else? The thought occurred to me. Here's a woman whose boys are dead. Nothing's going to change their condition. Really, at the end of the day, not only not only does she know this is the last time she's ever going to see them, but at the end of the day, all she can hope for is a decent burial. Because if this, was, if this would have played out like five other cases played out, they hung out there until the birds had picked their carcass clean of flesh. And until the sun, Craig, had bleached their bones. And she's hoping to have a decent burial for her. Are you listening to me, church? For her two dead... there's a whole church full of folk here and you've got kids for which your heart is broken and you've got grandkids for which your heart is broken look up in here and we've just seen an example of a mother who was willing to do more for her dead boys jim that most of us are willing to do for our living children. And yet we wonder why there's no change. We wonder why there's no intervention in their life. And we sit there and we watch them fall apart right before our eyes. Watch their lives fall apart. Watch their families fall apart. Mike, I really shouldn't have to give an invitation. We really shouldn't have to have anybody play on a piano. We ought to just stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and find a place at an altar and ask God to help us to be the kind of parents we ought to be. That wasn't a, that wasn't a suggestion. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.